lock and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. And greetings. Happy Friday. Welcome to the Steve Dace Show. Live and on demand here on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. I'm Steve Dace, Todd Erzin, Aaron McIntyre. They're here with me. We have a fourth member of today's show. Our old friend Shannon Joy is back. And I had I did not plan this out. I had no idea. It is the conclusion of Jersey Week. You told me I have worn this one before. I don't ever remember wearing this one before. I rem- I seem to remember it. I okay. mean it didn't you you told me I'd be surprised and I wasn't surprised. Right. So. Did you have an Eagles jersey at one point? Did, Did I have one? Yeah, do you have a Philadelphia Eagles I don't. jersey? No. I, I remember I love, you wearing a green jersey. I love the point. old school Eagles jersey from back in the day. Yeah. But uh, no, I'm rocking the Joe Namath throwback today, and I had no idea that we were going to have a New Yorker with us on the Dace Group until I had already plotted all of this out. So it is good to see our old friend Shannon Joy again. 888-900-3393 is the number. 888-900-3393. Steve at stevedace.com is the email address. You can like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. YouTube.com slash Steve Dace is where you can go to get free clips of the show that you can sample yourself and then share with others. And then don't forget, we're at Steve Dace on Parlor now as well. What's Parlor? It is the Twitter substitute where everybody to the right of Chairman Mao will probably soon be uh, once Twitter is done banning all of us. At Parler, P-A-R-L-E-R, at Steve Dace, at Parler. Typical Friday regimen in store for you today. We'll get to your thoughts with Feedback Friday next hour. But of course, as always, we must begin with the day Group. Your weekly look at the week that was this hour brought to you by our good friends over at Keeps. Have you noticed that losing your hair is not fun and your hair is not looking as full as it used to? So let's talk about options. You can go to your doctor for a hair loss treatment prescription, then visit the pharmacy. Try not to go broke in that process, though, uh, because um, all that stuff's really expensive. Or you can go with Keeps and take advantage of not just the cheaper prices, but the convenience as well. They'll get the, they'll give you the same doctor-recommended, FDA-approved hair loss treatment, but they offer the generic versions, so you'll get it at about half the cost. And one more thing that you're going to love about Keeps is that it's all done online. You just answer a few questions, snap a few pics of your hair, and a licensed doctor will review your info and recommend the right hair loss treatment for you that is shipped discreetly to your door. So... If you want to take advantage of this right now, how about a special deal? Half off your first order. That's already with the generic discount. Half off on top of that. Your first order, if you go to keeps.com slash grow, K-E-E-P-S, for keeps.com slash grow. Let's get to issue one. Bleep, Democrats say. President Trump will be at uh, Mount Rushmore, where he'll be standing in front of a monument of two slave owners and on land wrestled away from Native Americans, told that uh, be focusing on the effort to, quote, tear down our country's history. We must begin the work of dismantling the whole system of oppression. Here's the thing. Jesus Christ, if you believe in, if if that's who you believe in, Jesus Christ, admittedly was not perfect when he was here on this earth. So why are we deifying the founders of this country? George Washington, I don't think anybody would call him a traitor. 
and there are moves by some to remove uh, statues of him. Is that a good idea? I think we should listen to the, everybody. Looters got a bad name during the you know George Floyd protests. But thank goodness for the looters, man. Um, you have a place called Target. You have a store called Target. You're going to be a Target. Compared to last year, shootings up 40 percent, mm-hmm. uh, homicides up more than 30 percent. Mm-hmm. So and just point blank, what is happening right now? The ecosystem of public safety that isn't just law enforcement, but is local, community-based, they too have really been hit hard by COVID. It's a false narrative to take comfort in in a lower rate of death. There's so many other things that are very dangerous and bad about this virus. Don't get yourself into false complacency. But the death toll, you can't celebrate it right now when you're seeing people heading into the hospital. Because we've seen this story before. In some ways, it never really ended. In a lot of ways, it is worse than ever. And of course, as we see younger people infected and going into the ICUs, it spreads to older populations. That death rate will change. These people go home. These people infect their parents and their grandparents. Those people get sick. They end up in the ICU and they either die or they take it from somebody else that could have used it. So actually the virus has become more dangerous because it can infect more people. It's more easily able to take root in the community. So it's changing in a worse way. This is going to be catastrophe upon catastrophe. And just to say, hey, look at the death rate now is is extremely superficial. Does the U.S. need another stay-at-home order? If the virus continues to rage like this, we have no choice. As far as schools are concerned, I think it's going to be very hard for uh, states that have epidemics right now to reopen their schools in the fall tragically. you know from experience historically that when you don't have unanimity in an approach to something you're not as effective in how you handle it so i think you'd have to make the assumption that if there wasn't such divisiveness that we would have a more coordinated approach and you remember if you believe in one another and if you do the right thing for yourself and your community things will get better in this country you don't need help from above it's within us. First question, Shannon, what was your favorite Fruit Loop in Aaron's montage this week? I think it's the mainstream media and the medical establishment uh, not taking yes for an answer, right? Everything that they've told us to do over the past 14 weeks, the lockdowns, the shutdowns, the suspension of civil liberty, our representative government, and every discernible life, right? The Americans uh, cheerfully follow their orders and their directives. And then when the news is good, it's no soup for you, right? We can't have good news in the United States of America because the goal here isn't health. It isn't prosperity. It is something much larger. I think uh, the destruction of our Republic, but I think that, uh, you know, those very evident refusals to accept the good news is the is the crazy train for me this week todd what do you think it's it's the cnn quotes cuomo there at the end and don lemon uh and while i'm talking i'm looking for a tweet because it perfectly embodies uh what i wanted to say we've talked on the show a long time before coronavirus that um we this was about like the, the iconoclasm of progressivism. Was it was ultimately always steered towards killing God, and here we are. 
It's actually happening right now. Th- these quotes from CNN are happening at the same time as uh, BLM. We, we saw protests actually go into churches. We predicted that was going to happen sooner or later, regardless if it's BLM or whatever it's affiliated with. There's just another uh, 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 picture of a uh, BLM protester at a Catholic rosary uh, threatening to beat her. It, it's happening right now. The movement to kill God is here. It's not going to stop unless there is the very opposite of what Chris Coma talks about, an act of God at this point. We, we clearly are, have opened the gates wide open to this, and there, there's, there's no Leonidas and his mighty 300, apparently, that are going to stop it. I mean, really, the, the weak knees right now about football playing in the fall, I mean, it's, there's no men. There's no men. All of that science you just heard, as Steve said, it's from PhDs, it's wrong. They're just wrong. So here we stand. Uh, let Aaron go, buddy, because I absolutely want to read this quote because it's perfect. Aaron. It's, we talked about this, I think, the last time we did Bleep Democrats say, and when the Visigoths are, you know, a couple of hills away outside the city, and um, and you've got people inside your own city walls that you're basically trapped with saying the Visigoths are not coming. The Visigoths are coming. The Visigoths are not coming. The Visigoths are not coming. Uh, and you make fun of them saying, no, no, you're you're actually a tool of the Visigoths right now. If you really don't. It's, it's one thing, the, the, the juxtaposition of that when they're a couple of hills away, but you can see them on the horizon is kind of funny. When the Visigoths are over the wall, it's it's not so much funny. And that that entire montage, I swear, could you hear this? I swear, in a deep, drawling voice, I could just hear a voice in Latin. I'm joking, of course, but that's it's the it's the doctrine of demons. That entire thing. I mean that. This country needs an exorcism at, at this point. And here's where we live. Steve, I know you live here, but I follow uh, a Twitter thread that is all about Flannery O'Connor quotes. This one, it's, it's perfect because I know it's what I'm dealing with every day. Quote, you have to cherish the world at the same time that you struggle to endure it. I, my wife and I are sitting around planning, taking my daughter to a soccer camp while simultaneously I'm listening to sports radio and they're talking about football cancellations that will make it impossible for my daughters to play college sports. It, it's it, to stay centered on the things that matter day by day is very, very challenging. Aaron, you, you said you thought you heard Latin? Yeah. Yeah, I, I thought I heard Farsi. Mene. Mene, takele, a parson. That, that's what I thought I heard. Later today in our overtime, typically on a Friday, we do best and worst of the week. We're not going to do that this week. Um, I'm, I'm going to give a State of the Union in a, in a Joe Namath throwback jersey. That's, that's about as Steve Day show as it gets. <laughs> All right. Call your shot, uh, baby. But, but I'm, I'm going to give a State of the Union, and I'm going to give it over there with our subscribers because it's, it's going to be extraordinarily blunt. And if you're paying for this, 
not just consuming it, but if, if you're paying for it, if you're supporting it on that level, then I, I think that makes it more likely you're able to receive the message that I'm going to convey later today in the overtime. All right. If you are, want to become a subscriber, go to blazetv.com slash dace. That's how you can become one at a discount. blazetv.com slash dace. And that's where our overtime will be posted later today. But it is, it's, it's in line with what, what you guys have already said. But I, I think we even need to go further. And I'm going to go there later today. And I'm going to do it today on a Friday if for no other reason. I got to get this off my chest before I go home for the weekend. I just, I, I just got to purge it, man. I got to, I got to, I got to make a deposit so I can go home and, and actually do what you just said. Endure this while treasuring my family and kids and everything else, because it's, it's getting harder for me to do that. It's getting much harder for me to set this aside. So I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to unload for my own catharsis if for no other reason than that coming up in the overtime today. Let's get to the exit question on a scale of one to 10 with one being as irrelevant as Shepard Smith's return to cable news and 10 being as relevant as Tucker Carlson's current ratings rank this week's level of total depravity. Aaron. 666. Todd. I second that. Shannon. So I've been at a PERMA 10 for about 14 weeks. And so at this point, it's law of diminishing returns. So I'm almost back to a one. Right? Because nothing. You did a poll, Steve, a couple weeks ago about aliens returning and whether or not. And I'm at the point now that CNN could run like live footage of aliens invading New York City. And I'd be like, meh. All right. <laughs> What's next? I mean, that, this is where I'm going here. So uh, I think I've come full circle. Imagine... I, I said this to my wife this morning. We went down to Nashville to do a speaking engagement back in February. And I said, imagine if I would have stood up and told that group of conservative activists in Nashville, hey, in the next, in the next uh, uh, few months, the crowning achievement of Trump's presidency, the Supreme Court justice known as Neil Gorsuch, yeah. is going to side with the four leftists on the court that half of Oklahoma belongs to the Native Americans, including Tulsa. I, I think would have, I, I'd have been a raving madman, right? A raving lunatic. Yep. It happened yesterday. It happened. Which, which can only be the perfect segue to issue two. Kanye for president. Last weekend, Kanye West announced via tweet, quote, We must now realize the promise of America by trusting God, unifying our vision, and building our future. I'm running for president of the United States. Hashtag 2020 vision. Well, later this week, he did a four-hour interview with Forbes magazine where he revealed some of his platforms for running. In the Forbes interview, he revealed that he's running for president in 2020 under a new banner, The Birthday Party, with guidance from Elon Musk and an obscure vice president candidate he's already chosen, quote, like anything I've ever done in my life, I'm doing to win. He also says that he's okay with siphoning off black votes from the Democratic nominee, thus helping Trump, quote, I'm not denying it, I just told you, to say that the black vote is Democratic is a form of racism and white supremacy. 
He also revealed that he's never voted in his life. He's suspicious of a coronavirus vaccine, terming vaccines, quote, the mark of the beast. He believes, quote, Planned Parenthoods have been placed inside cities by white supremacists to do the devil's work. He envisions a White House organizational model based on the secret country of Wakanda in Black Panther. Kanye also said he believes he has 30 days to make a decision about running for president, saying at that point he'd miss the filing deadline in many states. Kanye West also tweeted and then deleted a screenshot of a Google search for what does a six-month fetus look like with the caption, quote, these souls deserve to live. All right. So because this actually looks like what a Todd Erzin for presidential platform would look like. <laughs> um, I'm going to go to you with the first question, Todd, first. I love uh, uh, true or false, Kanye West's run for the White House is bad news for Joe Biden because it threatens to siphon off at least some of the black support Biden desperately needs to monolithically dominate. I think that's true, but what I love so much about this question, remember we we waxed poetic, I don't know, maybe like a month ago about how far away our horse race coverage of Mayor Pete, et cetera, all yeah. that's, it, it's in a lifetime away. That was like, we, that, that was happened in another dimension. We've yeah. been bogged down, I mean, in this otherworldly stuff that we just basically got, what, what Shannon says, coming full circle to a one, it's been bizarre world ever since uh march in covering the first covid and the lockdowns and then uh the the race riots and here's the amazing thing so our return to normalcy in covering horse race politics again involves kanye rest running for president and still somehow that does feel like a return to normalcy it's it's an amazing world we live in. So yes, I. So in trying to take this purely at face value and not try to laugh when I say this, yes, Kanye West running for president, yes, is a bad thing for Joe Biden uh, because there is simply a percentage of black America that I'm certain exists. I do not know how large that percentage is. That is like a lot of America, whether it's black or white or otherwise, that just wants something different. He's their Donald Trump. Shannon, what do you think? You know, there's a reason that I always hashtag DC TV and reality politics. And I think Kanye West entering the political arena for presidency is is just absolutely fitting. Um, I do always go back to my general uh, idea that a lot of these big polarizing national elections are already predetermined and the winner has already been decided. But I do think that Kanye West is a disruptor and it's really interesting i go back and forth with him you know i'm not so sure about whether or not he can draw votes from democrats based on the platform that he just laid out in forbes magazine but so you know i think he will be a disruptor in 2020 regardless of whether or not he runs but i think it's too early to say what the impact is going to be electorally it will certainly be interesting it's going to be you know, certainly flashy and exciting, but I think that's just going to contribute to the the show. You know what I mean? The show must go go on. You need the razzle dazzle. And I think Kanye, you know, West is going to be that element. To your point that you made a second ago, what you said is correct. That what he's running on is not a platform that a lot of Democratic voters would identify with. It is a platform that a lot of Black voters would identify with. However. Okay, I'm just telling you, by any metric, black voters collectively are more socially conservative than white voters are. All right. I'm, I'm, 
I'm looking at more the uh, the conservative base of the Republican Party, which is quite frustrated with Trump right now. But I could I could see all kinds of black voters voting for him, actually, on a platform of prison reform, um, police brutality. And then he marries that. He marries that. You know, we've talked in a show in the past that typically social conservatism in other countries has actually not been married to libertarian economic views. It's actually been married more. That's why the. That's why in Western Europe it was originally called. Where'd the notion of democratic socialism come from, or Christian Democrats, or Christian socialism? Traditionally, socially conservative views in other countries has have actually been married more towards countries that have more larger safety nets and welfare states. All right, we kind of just did it differently here in in this country. He, if he's if he's going to marry a message, uh, if he's going to essentially marry the um, an aspect of the Black Lives Matter message sure. to to the gospel, I'm just telling you, folks, because a lot of you that watch this aren't black, and a lot of you that watch this don't go to black churches. But I'm telling you, in a lot of black evangelical churches, that's the message that comes from their pulpit. He he would he would be combining a lot of that message. Um, they, they, it would resonate with them. They would understand that message. They, they, because what happens now is that that platform's not attainable because there's nobody that represents you if you have it, right? Like if you're black and you think that police brutality finally has to be confronted and Planned Parenthood is bad, you have no place to go in America to get representation, right? Who would you go to with that, on that platform? Kanye. Kanye is the only place to go. And I can tell you, in, in black church America, that message resonates. That's the message that comes from a lot of pulpits in black America. I, so I agree with you. The average Democrat you see on TV and, and Joy Reid isn't the average black Democrat, by the way. The average Democrat you see on TV, what he's running on doesn't resonate with them. I agree. But the average black churchgoer that makes up a tremendously important base within the Democratic Party, you bet that's a message. If he married those two things, you bet. That, that, that's a mess. Now, whether he, they, he could get them to vote for him, I have no idea. All right. But there is a there is a base for that message in in black America. There is a base for it, whether he can mobilize them to be a successful political endeavor and be a Ross Perot and get, you know, three, nine or in Ross Perot's case, 19 percent of the vote. I have no idea. All right. But but the, there's a mess. There's a platform there for a base like that. Aaron, what do you think? So uh, with the stipulation, like Todd said, that we're taking this at face value and then with a second one, which is that he actually has a campaign that is uh, somewhat experienced because like it or not, I mean, there is there is a skill and a craft work of politics and campaigning that you got to have you got to have people who kind of know what they're doing. I mean, where do you go to buy ads? You know, where do you target that type of thing? So those two stipulations, absolutely, absolutely. He's he could be a uh, he he could be a threat to Joe Biden uh, to siphon off some of the, the black vote. There's also this as well. I don't think you can under ever underestimate um, the yearning for white people to feel uh, not racist, not racist. Yeah. Although I don't think Kanye's platform really resonates with those types of people because the type of types of people who want to be known that they're not racist probably aren't going to resonate super well with the message of uh, Planned Parenthood as a tool of white supremacy either. But that's maybe another thing to watch as well. But I do think that this is a danger. And again, it's 
I, by all the metrics right now, no reopening whatsoever. Um, President Trump, I mean, it's not even going to be as close as it was back in 2016. The three states you want to watch, and if I were Kanye, uh, or if this was some sort of grand four-dimensional chess conspiracy, again, if you can siphon off a bunch of votes in Milwaukee, Detroit, and the outskirts or Philadelphia proper, uh, maybe, maybe that could have some sort of impact, if you get what I'm saying. Along those lines, and based on what we've just seen that he said... If if you were advising Kanye West right now, show show the entire country, right, left, otherwise, that you are deadly serious about this, what would you have him say or do? Or hire or like organize, whatever, what would it be? If 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 he's serious about this. Yeah, take well, that at face value. The first thing you have to do is determine what serious about this means. Okay? If 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 serious about this is to disrupt the process, to give people who feel like the po- pro- the process has left them behind a, a platform and a voice, which then gives you a future platform and a voice to represent those kinds of people, there's one strategy for that. If you think you can actually win, there's another strategy for that. If this is just for career publicity, which, I mean, how many records has this guy sold? Really? Does he, how much more? Yeah, exactly. How much more money does he need? Okay. It, and it's not like his career was, is, was, is, 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 was fledgling here, right? His okay. wife, I think, is a billionaire now. Right. But, but Take but, him as seriously as we assume he was serious when he went into those pr- then, okay, prisons. Okay. Then, then if that's your question, if yes, we're going to narrow it down question. to that, I would make this exclusively a church outreach campaign exclusively um i i would i would i would go to i'd I'd go to speak in every as many black churches i possibly could i'd go to as many suburban mega churches i possibly could because i'm just telling you i go to those kinds of churches there's a lot of people there that are going to end up voting for donald trump that don't want to have to don't like him at all hate to having to hate having to defend him to their family members their friends don't want to talk about it on but feel like they have to vote for him because the other option's a communist Right. Give them the if you were if you wanted to give them the feeling that this was this was this was more than a protest vote, that this is essentially, you know, the, that this is almost like another birth of a major political party. You know, the first time that the Republican Party ran a candidate, for example, and lost something like that, something pioneering. I would make it an explicitly Christian exercise if I were him. I would not try to draw any distinctions from his faith outreach and this whatsoever. I would make this a manifestation of it, right? Yeah. The most the most logical next step to it, similar to what he put in the opening tweet announcing his vision that we had to turn back to God. Then I would then I would ride that all the way, all the way. Wouldn't pull back the reins on any of that whatsoever. I would I'd offer very few policy specifics because they're irrelevant. That I, I would, this would just be all vision casting, all vision casting. That if we don't get that one thing right as a people, the rest of it, it doesn't matter if the top marginal tax rate's 36% or 59% like it is in Sweden. And I only know this because I'm so discouraged right now. I spent 30 minutes last night literally researching what life is like and quality of life and the cost of living in Sweden, what it would cost to move there. Could yeah. we even do the show? Could I do this show from there with a six hour time difference? I'm not kidding you. I did this for a half an hour yesterday and I'm, I was, I'm, I was into it. All right. That to me, if I was him, my advice to him, or if he hired me to to run it, 
This would be an evangelistic crusade, is what it would be. See, it's what you all based on meta inspiration, all on inspiration and hope. It's what you said about Sweden that is so salient because listen, we know Steve half of the year doesn't want to leave the man cave because uh, football's on. He's let alone travel across the country. He's literally looking at Sweden and here's why. So if you have complaints, why are you taking Kanye seriously at all? Why are you wasting your time on this? We're in existential peril. He's the most serious person we have. Because we're tired of taking Mike Pence and Mitch McConnell seriously. He's already, Kanye West has already done more to push back on the narrative of Planned Parenthood than the Republican Party has done in, in, in the history of Roe v. Wade. Uh, Which Terry, is our t- lifetime. Terry, yes, Terry Crews has done more to push back on the Marxism Took infested within Black, Black Lives Matters than the entire Republican Party has. J.K. Rowling has done more yes. to push back on let's have mental illness marketed to our children as public policy than the entire Republican Party has. Don't tell me I'm nuts for, one, for at least being somewhat curious about what Preach. life in Sweden is like. Because if we're going to get all this paganism, at least give me my freedom and don't lie to me when there's a pandemic. Tell me the truth. At least, if we're going to get all the paganism anyway, at least don't lie to me when public health is at stake. At least they don't lie to their people about that. Exit question of Kanye West's presidential campaign were a Kanye West song. Which Kanye West song would it be? A, fade. B, flashing lights. C, 30 hours, as in short-lived. Or D, follow God. Aaron. Uh, hopefully D. Shannon. I'd say B, I'm blinded by the flashy persona, but still not quite sure about it. I don't know these songs. You tell me. I've never heard any of them. I just no, went to okay. a song catalog and took big titles I thought were nice. <laughs> I don't know. All right, back here live and on demand on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. Steve Dace here with Totters and Aaron McIntyre and our old friend, Shannon Joy. By the way, I've never heard any one of those Kanye West songs in the last segment. So if they're like terrible, inappropriate, uh, misogynistic, I, 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 I want to apologize in advance. I didn't screen them, the lyrics. I literally had, I thought it would be cool to have a guy's own songs be the multiple choice decisions. And I just Googled Kanye West songs and looked for titles that would like line up with the various options. So. Yeah, they were almost all bad. Are they almost all bad? Yeah. All right. So, my bad. My bad. Let's get back to the weekly look at the week that was. Issue three, schools out forever. The White House finally, maybe, went on offense for reopening this week, bringing in the head of the American Academy of Pediatrics, Dr. Sally Goza, to stump for reopening schools in the fall. The evidence we have so far indicates that children are less likely to have symptoms or severe disease resulting from coronavirus. Children are less likely to become infected and they are less likely to spread infection. We know, however, that missing school can have serious consequences for child health and well-being, particularly for students with disabilities or with special health care needs. The CDC and its director, Dr. Robert Redfield, also released some incredibly draconian guidelines for reopening schools, including cleaning and disinfecting frequently touched surfaces, spacing and seating desks at least six feet apart, creating one-way routes through the school, and closing communal use shared spaces. Redfield later clarified that the CDC CDC directives are more like guidelines. CDC encourages all schools, all schools, uh, to do what they need to reopen. The guidance that we've put out, as the secretary mentioned, is guidance. 
and I want people to see it as guidance to reopen. And nothing would uh, cause me greater sadness than see any school district or school use our guidance as a reason not to reopen. In Florida, Governor Ron DeSantis continued to beat the drum for schools reopening, having his education commissioner order public schools to reopen in August. Later this week, he said... Fast food and Walmart and Home Depot, and look, I do all that, so I'm not, I'm not like looking down on it. But if all that is essential, then educating our kids is absolutely essential. I can say as a parent, I have a newborn, I have a two-year-old, I have a three-year-old. They're not old enough to go to school, so obviously they're, they won't be um, you know, in kindergarten or anything coming up. But I would not hesitate putting them in in terms of the risk, because the risk, fortunately, for, for kids is extremely, extremely low. That data has been verified in virtually every single country, every single state. Um, and we kind of knew that in March, although I think a lot of people is a new virus. I understand, look, my wife was very uh, concerned. I know a lot of parents were just concerned. Um, but now, I mean, that's very, very clear. The head of the Florida Teachers Union, Friedrich Ingram, called reopening in-person learning in the state, quote, irresponsible. First question. Shannon, to you, true or false, reopening the schools is the ultimate battle line for reopening America. Absolutely, absolutely true. And I think this is going to be the messiest, nastiest, most convoluted battle that we have ever had in, in 50 years in this country because everything is being flipped right now. You have conservatives and Republicans right. to reopen the indoctrination right. camps that they hate so much. And you have the teachers unions and the left wing establishment fighting to uh, destroy the profession of teaching. Right. They are 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 issuing their own demise. They want to move. You know, if you shut all the schools down, you will necessarily have to move to machine learning, which is the ultimate goal here. Uh, you have to look at Andrew Cuomo and his collaboration now with Bill Gates in New York State to understand understand the scope of what they're trying to do. The long-term goal is to shut down the schools. It is to destroy the, the locally elected school boards and locally elected uh, public schools and to move every child to machine learning. Now, some conservatives think that's a great thing because, hey, the kids are being quote-unquote homeschooled. They're not. This brings the federal government and the state government directly into your home. It tethers your child to a machine. They are now able to collect enormous amounts of data on your child. And they're also able to, to usher in a level of power that we've never seen. So this, this is everything. Bill Gates, Silicon Valley, big tech have billions to make on shuttering these schools. And so people do not understand the scope of this. It's interesting, I had Lily Tang Williams on my program. She uh, moved here from China. She was a child in China during the Cultural Revolution. And she laid out on my program just a, co a couple days ago, if you want to understand the scope of this, uh, one of the key aspects of Mao's Cultural Revolution, the first thing that he did was to shut down every school in China. And what you had there after that was a, a population of children, young adults, and college students who had been indoctrinated for 10, 20, 30 years under the Communist Party, now unleashed into the population, and Mao used them. He weaponized those children in his cultural war. And that ushered in the greatest destruction of literature, of history, culture, religion, 
in China and led to the slaughter of nearly 20 million people. So this is much bigger than anyone imagines, and and it's going to be it's going to be messy. But people need to get ready to fight because what we need to keep intact. The goal here for the liberty lover and the conservative is to keep intact the locally elected school boards who make local decisions for local parents. They can do that. Most school districts are funded 70 to 80 percent by local tax dollars. And so it can happen. But we need to understand what we're fighting for and not be divided into the typical groups, uh, because this is everything. It's everything. Todd. Uh, I understand the financial motivations for machine-oriented learning, but the, that's not so much the issue in my view because this, the, we need the brick-and-mortar places because a lot of people view this as daycare, and that's not going uh, away. And the rich or poor people view that as uh, a daycare. The real issue, the real issue is that for the, the progressives, this is the end of all things. There's no more marching through the institutions. They did it. They won. Now it is total victory and that's why the the paradox here of what we don't want to race back into the indoctrination centers of course they it they don't need to anymore they need to all they need to show you is we have total power these kids your lives all of it it is ours and not yours and no matter what you want we are going to ignore it at best or mock it and crush it at worst to follow up on what you just said the the other the other thing that that will occur with this let, let's look at the situation in college sports what what have all the universities said had to happen for there to be sports this fall what was the what was the thing that had to occur students back students right? had to be back on campus right okay the students had to be back on campus now wouldn't it seem actually given how much they need the money from their football programs right every women's sports scholarship everyone in the country is funded by every school's football team wouldn't it actually seem smarter to leave the student body at home to learn so they don't come on campus and infect all the football players and have the football players there by themselves in a bubble like what you see with baseball and all the pro sports right would, would that not make more sense why that? Hold on, just follow me. Would that not make more sense? Based on the premise you're asserting, yes. yes. If we're concerned about spreading, about the spread, wouldn't it make more sense to leave your campus populations from all over the country, leave them at home to distance learn where they have been since last March, and then bring the athletes on the campus where they can be sequestered yes. and taken care of by themselves? Would that not make more sense? Yes, of course. So then why didn't they do that? Why did they link the two things? Why? The same. Because it goes to what you just said. Yes. See, they already have all the control that they want right now. If you if you if you don't bring the kids back on campus, then that also means that they are they don't have to provide anymore the things that actually challenge their hegemony, the meritocracy of sports, the meritocracy of extracurricular activities and the competition that goes herein, right? Anything that they don't have to bring into the school setting anymore, anything that doesn't directly affirm the premise that they believe the schools are there for, which is the indoctrination. So they don't have to have that one Christian track coach at your school the one christian football coach you know who maybe says a prayer before the game and 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 actually tries to you know give the kid the, the kids some kind of moral guidance they don't have to tolerate any of that anymore they're the kids now none of that matters none of it's vital they're just the machine learning is the kid the kid is the machine
not the vehicle by which that they are that they are being taught. The the kid is the machine. He's not a human being. He's a machine. So we don't have to worry about all these other things that that come into the that get in the way of us grooming these children for who they ultimately ultimately want them to be. Does that make sense? Oh yeah. Aaron, your thoughts. That's a version of where I was going with this as well. I mean, the indoctrination, the homogenization, that's a long word, is complete right now. So they don't they don't really need schools right now, which is why you see the inversion that, that Shannon was talking about. And Todd's point, of course, of, of schools being like daycares is, is absolutely salient and true. But they're not worried about missing out on indoctrination. Guys, we had four weeks of protests. Did you hear the guy in the Target uh, or in the MSNBC clip in, in Bleep Democrats say, saying, God bless the looters. You know, if, you're, if your store's name is Target, uh, you're going to be a target. Okay, I saw a video this week as well. Didn't make the Bleep Democrats say montage. It was of a school teacher, a man on street inter- interview, who teaches history in class she was she 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 said that she doesn't she was asked by this interviewer uh when was the american revolution didn't know then went on to say that she doesn't teach uh she doesn't teach history she she actually goes outside the curriculum and teaches social studies as well so they're not worried about missing out on indoctrination because the indoctrination is complete we just saw that over the last four uh or over the last four or five six weeks or so i mean every single one of those looters and protesters uh, you know, out on the street, making havoc, not social distancing. They, you know, aside from a few who are just complete loony bins, they really think that they are on the right side of history. They really think that smashing windows, stealing anything they want to, and generally just uh, praising and wreaking anarchy on the streets, they think that that is just and right and moral and good and be- uh, true and beautiful. All right. That's an indication they don't really care if schools are shut down one way or the other. So I, you know, it absolutely is a battle to reopen. And I just saw, I, I think it was New Mexico schools are pushing, are pushing all of their sports to the spring. Who says anything's going to be better in the spring? Nobody. Nobody. And I keep hearing as well, we got to wait. We got to, we, you know, I, I know, I know all these young people. I know all these young people are asymptomatic and they have a 99.999% chance of not dying for, if they have COVID-19. But we don't know what the long-term effects of this virus are. Well, we're fast tracking a vaccine, guys. By definition, we won't know what the long-term effects of that are, uh, of that is either. So what you tweeted this morning, Steve, is absolutely true. I'm sure it's just a coincidence that the solution to everything is going to come in the spring after the new year. I'm sure that's just a complete and total coinkinink. Exit question. If the reopening of schools nationwide this fall were a Led Zeppelin song, which Led Zeppelin song would it be? A, Over the Hills and Far Away. B, Dazed and Confused. C, Good Times, Bad Times. Todd. Dazed and Confused. Shannon. Dazed and confused. Aaron. Dazed and confused. Issue four, what do you need to reopen? The following video is simultaneously tragic, hilarious, and simpatico with how many of us are feeling. Everything in this world has to shut all the way down to nobody has to go anywhere because they're shut down. The ice cream, the ice cream truck is shut down. We can't go anywhere. Not even McDonald's, which is my favorite restaurant. You can pick up McDonald's in the drive-thru. No, you can't. Yeah. <laughs> you can't. 
You can. You can go in the drive-thru, but you can't go in the playground. Yeah, it's just really frustrating. You, if you go through the drive-thru, it's just boring because you have to wait for your view to come. And if you're inside playing on the playground, it wouldn't be boring. I mean, why would troops come around to people if they don't want troops to come around to them? And everything has to be shut down for everybody to be safe. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's just not fair because everything that is fun also has to be shut down. And the only thing that that is open is nothing. Preach, sister. All right. Quickly, what do you need to be reopened and why, Todd? Youth sports. I need some soccer and some track, and my daughters need it too. Shannon, quickly go. Youth sports. Aaron? Uh, sanity. <laughs> Indeed. All right, let's get to predictions. Aaron, I'll go right back to you first. Um, my prediction is just because based on based on the fact that basically every decision that's been made at a corporate level about anything that most people care about has been absolutely 180 degrees wrong with this college football is going to be canceled Shannon, all of it your prediction i think that the schools are going to be opened but in a dystopian nightmarish way it's going to be some type of hybrid of machine learning and on again off again so i think that's going to be what will happen in the fall todd well mine was um high school football in the majority of states is going to be canceled my prediction is that i think Jeff Sessions is going to beat Donald Trump in the Alabama U.S. Senate primary. And yes, that I worded that exactly how I meant it. I think Jeff Sessions is going to... Donald Trump has already had five of his primary nominees lose. Five as a sitting president, including sitting members of Congress. I think Jeff Sessions is going to beat Donald Trump in the Alabama U.S. Senate primary. That's my prediction. Thoughts on that? Roll Tide. What do you get that one, Shannon? Kanye for president. <clears throat> Good to see you. Take care. All right. We're going to get to Feedback Friday here uh, next hour of the show. You have a look on your face like you want to say something. No. Oh, no, no. I'm just kind of settling into post- debate neuroses um i want to reiterate though it, it, you definitely don't want to miss the overtime today okay i i i think we've got to there, there's a level of bluntness even on this show i i have not shared but i i think that uh i think we got to lay our cards on the table because i think i think we are rapidly approaching and maybe in the midst right now of the all in moment. And I don't mean for the election. I, I mean, for the foreseeable future of the country, it might, it might be occurring right now. So blaze tv.com slash dace is where you can go to subscribe blaze tv.com slash dace hour two and feedback Friday is next.
Greetings. Welcome to Hour 2, live and on demand on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. Steve Dace here with Totters and Aaron McIntyre and all of you at 888-900-3393. That's 888-900-3393. Steve at stevedace.com is how you can email the program D-E-A-C-E. That's how you can spell the last name. We can spell it any way you like. But if you want me to see it, you'll have to spell it that way. You can also go to Facebook, find us, like us there. Follow us on Twitter, at Steve Day Show. You can also follow us on Parlor at Steve Dace. And then finally, if you are looking for freebies, go to youtube.com slash Steve Dace. We post free samples of this show there every day. You can subscribe to our new YouTube channel. Share those clips with others if you like them, youtube.com slash Steve Dace. And I got to throw one more thing in. If you are a podcast listener, don't forget those five-star reviews. Keep those coming. Thousands of you have given those to us already. Thank you. If you like the show, please uh, consider putting one in for yourself because the more of those we get, the more it helps the show to grow and continue on. Let's get to Feedback Friday brought to you by Rough Greens Smart. You know, the reason that uh, we're buying so many supplements as humans these days is because they've taken all the good stuff out of a lot of our food, the vitamins, nutrients, minerals, omega oils, prebiotics, probiotics. A lot of that stuff is gone. Why? Well, they want to make the, sh- the, the food uh, have a long shelf life so that, and they want to make it cheaper. And so they got to take a lot of those living organisms out of there. Otherwise, the food is more expensive because it spoils faster. And we think we're saving money because we buy all this cheap food and then we have to make up for it on the back end by uh, replacing the what was taken out of our food with what we call supplements, hence the term supplemental, right? Same thing, though, happens with our pets, too. Our dogs, if they like that dry dog food, chances are it's been stripped of all the good stuff, too. And that's where Rough Greens VitaSmart comes in. It is not a new dog food. It's a premium dog food supplement, and it's a powder, so it's really dense in all of the good stuff, and you sprinkle it on your dog's food each day, and apparently it makes the food taste even better. At least that's what our dog Cap would say if he could talk, but he can't because he's a dog. But given how eager, much more eager he is to eat his food with this stuff on it than without, I'll let the testimony speak for itself. If you want to try it right now, get the 14-day Jumpstart bag for just $14.95 to see if this helps to to reboot your dog thriving like never before. Go to roughgreens.com slash blaze. That's R-U-F-F. That's how they spell it. Roughgreens.com slash blaze. Let's get to Feedback Friday, and we begin with Lonnie in McKinney, Texas, who noting what is going on now that apparently if you do not, uh, if you're not if, if you're not gay, you can't play someone who's gay. If you're not black, you can't voice, voice somebody who is. If you don't have the mental illness known as gender dysphoria, you can't portray someone like that in a film, right? We learned that from Halle Berry, right? Lonnie says, along those lines, would it be okay for Joe Biden to play the Hollywood role of a person with um, who's losing his mental abilities? So could Joe Biden play somebody with dementia? Would that be okay? Sorry, that's President Biden to you. It, on, this, on this rate, it, it soon will be. I liked the Stark, Lonnie. Todd and Aaron apparently didn't get as, like it as much as I did. So. This is the way. Huh? This is the way. This is I'm, I'm in. All right. It made me laugh. You you guys just looked at me. So apparently um, it was dumb. Okay. My bad, Lonnie. My bad. I set you up to fail there. Um, let me begin by complimenting you on your passion, drive, and efforts. I believe you guys have sincere conviction and drive, uh, though lacking the necessary level of, say, wokeness to really make a difference. I, as a white American with immense privilege, would like to bring to your attention some vital details that we, as white Americans with immense privilege, must acknowledge and appreciate. First, the fact that in America I am able to type my native language, and it is referred to as proper English, is indicative of my privilege. 
How many young black children suffer under the weight of conformity and in the painful denial of their language? Where are the keyboards with the ability to reflect their dialects? Why does Spellcheck only accept my English? Why not theirs? Why must black people be told their language is wrong with bold red lines? Secondly, the alphabet is a microaggression against black people. B is for black or brown and is intentionally placed second in the alphabet because our white ancestors wanted to remind us ever so subtly that B is second. I cringe with every alphabet song recital and cringe when I have to type the letter B because it reminds me of this injustice. Until the alphabet is changed, we will never have equality and justice. More importantly, I have grown in appreciation for these so many in pop culture and social media and the media for helping me to, to be and stay woke. I am thankful for a presidential candidate that can clearly and concisely define for me and for black people what it truly means to be black. This presidential candidate used the benefits of his own white privilege and went on a show geared to black people and then defined for us what it is to be black. This is the type of unifying leadership that we need. The media, entertainment, and social media industries are also vital in my ability to be woke and understand my privilege. Where I left to my own devices, I might easily confuse who I should listen to. They do a marvelous job in showing me who are the good blacks and the bad blacks, based, of course, on their political beliefs. In my status as having white privilege, I didn't know there were good and bad blacks. Imagine my disgust to learn how ignorant my privilege had left me. I know that the weight of the opinions of the good left-wing blacks is far greater than that of the other blacks, and thus those good blacks, as defined by so many of my fellow beneficiaries of white, white privilege, are those whose opinions we should exploit to further encourage wokeness. The bad blacks, those like Clarence Thomas, Candace Owens, Kanye West, Thomas Sowell, Larry Elder, Stephen A. Smith, uh, and, and, and Bo Snurdly, should be ignored and marginalized because they hurt the cause of wokeness. I hope you will join me in praising whatever God we choose or whatever piece of the universe we prefer that we have so many rich, privileged white Americans using their privilege to tell us who are the good and bad blacks. It is so useful in my self-esteem and worth, my extreme gratitude for your generous time this day, sending a strong no contact, no contact handshake your way. Be well. That is from Dave Ebert. Um. Dave, good sir. Oh, uh, sir, I'm about to call to you, sir. Uh, dear biological being, Dave. That's how we do it. Well done. I like that. Todd, your thoughts? That was just a much longer version of your first letter that you read about which who can bite and portray. <laughs> you, you, you're, you're clearly going to zen out on a theme this go around. It's, it's a bizarre world, and we're just living in it. I'm, I am not responsible for who sends me notes. I'm only responsible for compiling the notes that yeah. are sent. Everybody's clearly okay. just as punchy as we are. This is, I think you're going to like this one a lot. This is from Paul Alexander. He says, I wanted to take a look at Tucker Carlson's recent ascension. Uh, though he's now leading Sean Hannity in the television ratings, Fox News' average viewer is 65 plus. That's true. The average age of a Fox News viewer is 67 years old. Since digital content is consumed by a younger audience, I thought I would collect all of the viewership data for June 2020 from Fox News Channel's official YouTube page. While Tucker's lead in television is modest, the difference on digital tells a far more interesting story. So here's what he found. Sean Hannity in June of 2020 produced 35 videos. Total page views, about 21 million. Average page view per video, 580,000. 
Okay. Um, Fox News posted, or, or of Tucker Carlson's, uh, or uh, I'm sorry, of Sean Hannity's videos, 16 of these were interviews with an average of nine and a half million views, or total of nine and a half million views, and an average of about 598,000 views. 12 of them were monologues. They averaged 8.6, or they totaled 8.6 million views, and it, but but they had a higher per viewing average of 715,000, okay? Mm-hmm. Now we go to Tucker Carlson on, on the Fox News Channel's YouTube page. Also, 35 videos published, okay? Total views. All right, so for Hannity, the total views of his 35 videos on Fox News' YouTube page, 20.8 million, so about 21 million. For Tucker Carlson... 57.5 million total views. Average view for Sean Hannity was about 580,000 a video. 1.64 million for Tucker Carlson. That's makes, getting it done. Makes sense of that difference. So what what do those what do those numbers tell you? Hmm. Well, uh let me just let me throw this out there. Um Tucker Carlson the product that he's bringing to market, uh, there's a demand for it, and he's filling that. That product, we talked about it before, a, a fusion of social conservatism and economic populism. Mm-hmm. The product that Sean Hannity, at least the Sean Hannity that we've grown accustomed to, that he's bringing to market, there is some market for it, but it's not nearly as big or nearly as successful in a longer time than than what Tucker Carlson is is bringing to the market, and I think what what Hannity's product is is probably what does Trump want me to say tonight? Trump tonight. Trump tonight. Yeah. So you're drawing a distinction between there is far more popularity for Trump's professed agenda, whether he means it or has done anything with it. We could all debate that, right? But. Would we agree that Carlson somewhat represents or symbolizes Trump's professed ideological agenda then, right? Sure, yeah. And that Sean Hannity embodies essentially the Trump political operation. Yep. And so there's far more interest, especially in a, in a, in a platform that, that skews much younger, online, digital, right? There's far more interest in, in the Trump professed ideology than Hannity being a mouthpiece for the Trump political operation. Is that what I hear you saying? Yes. Todd, what do you think? Listen, there's a great movie, uh, King Arthur. It's, um, if you can get over the theological issues, because ultimately, uh, Arthur is a student of Pelagius, uh, do you remember the movie I'm talking about? It was so well done. Uh, it's uh, is this the recent one with? Uh, oh, it's like ten years old. Uh, yeah, at least, the, the at least ten one. years old. Is this the one with? Um, I can't remember. Keisha Knight Polium is 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 made Marion. Is that who I'm thinking of? No. Okay, then maybe I don't know what you're talking about. No, um, okay. it's um. It's the girl who was in the movies you were talking about yesterday with Jack Sparrow. The girl. Oh, the, yeah. Oh, I, oh Kira Knightley. Kira Knightley. Yes, Knight that one. From the Cosby yes. Show. Yes. Kira not Kira Knightley. I, that is it's, what I meant. That yes, movie. It's incredibly well done. And how you thought it was really in, well done. Huh, well, okay. who? Well, who? It's it's how the um, Merlin is a druid, and right. it's. Uh, 
she, so, she give me the 1980 Excalibur. That's how you do uh, it. Well, there's a great line in the villain in that movie who is a some sort of, you know, Viking or whatever. But he, he makes a statement. He says, when he is going to fight Arthur, he says, oh, finally, someone worth killing. I think that's with with uh what the deal with tucker is because i think a lot of people viewing that are not only uh fans of tucker but are our enemies as well I, it, tucker's just keeping it real he's getting to the point he he is not doing the normal dance on any level that is refreshing even to people who hate him i think uh so i i, I think there's there's just an abotomy on somebody who refuses to play by the rules of this stupid stupid game that we've been playing for so long i i think also if we're if we're accepting on any premise that one guy's audience represents the trump political operation and the other guy's audience represents the 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 professed trump ideology what that also tells you then is this really isn't any different than any other Republican presidency we've we've had or or, or Republican leadership that that the cake's not any different. What you've what, said the, way the, before we the, knew the, what the, a yeah the frosting is anier, yeah. but the, it's the same cake, right? I mean, I mean, I mean, how many? How, <laughs> it's looking less and less clear that we actually had any different frosting, Steve. We're really talking about a high energy Jeb, right? <laughs> that in many cases. That level of disconnect between your political operation and in a real in a re-election year, and and the policies that have been pursued or accomplished, that would seem to indicate that some faith has been lost, at least amongst the younger demographic. Right, mm-hmm. some faith has been lost in the political messaging, while there's also while there continues to be interest in that in that demographic with the with the professed ideology. Right. Mm-hmm. Because if things were going well, wouldn't shouldn't those numbers be and, and, and hey, you don't make the perfect the enemy of the good. Nobody nobody can get elected and then perfectly pursue what they ideologically would like to see happen, right? There are people in government and in the country that disagree with you that will push back on you the entire time, right? Right? Mm-hmm. And you can't there, no, yeah. no no one this is always gonna be kind of an you know, overlapping circles, right? Okay. Mm-hmm. They're not going to be fused into, you know, a cohesive dynamic, a, you know, a kind of a Pax Americana. There's going to be resistance to uh, to even the best of, of agendas and the best of of articulators and and engineers of those agendas, right? There's going to be pushback. Yeah, that's part of a free country, right? History yeah. says so. But this is a chasm. Yes. I mean, this is a chasm. This is a chasm between those who are interested in watching a guy go on offense and fight for what is for the agenda that Trump got elected on, and then those in the in the digital sphere, uh, sphere anyway, those who want to go online and watch a guy essentially play, you know, a less a less hot hot version of Kaylee McEnany for an hour on Fox News, right? Mm-hmm. That's a problem. Yeah. That's a problem. Huge. And but that's has that not been the story of the Republican Party pretty much since Reagan left the national stage. And and let's not overly romanticize Reagan either, right? Hey, winning the Cold War, that's a that's a nice feather in your cap. 
I'm going to cut a guy a lot of slack for winning the existential battle of the age. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to give a guy a lot of slack. Like, I, I disagreed with 75 things to, with FDR, okay? I'm going to cut a guy, though, that put us on the path of uh, ending uh, uh, Hirohitoism and Nazism. I'm going to cut that guy a lot of slack. Because if we lose on those, a lot of the other the other 74 things I've, that I disagree with FDR on really don't seem all that relevant. You know what I'm trying to say? Which is also what you've been doing for the last three and a half years with, with Trump. Trump. I will right? cut you slack if, if in the moment you need to, yes. you answer the call yes yes and so reagan answered the call of history he gave us a terrible amnesty that set the stage for turning california into essentially the the beachhead of american leftism we we set the we we he made the help make the country comfortable with deficit spending and i know the democrats i can give me all the excuses i get that okay i get it all right um uh, he he had uh, he did give us Scalia, but he also had other issues with other Supreme Court justices that he appointed, like, say, Sandra Day O'Connor, right? I mean, there's a mixed record there, right? Sure. So if we lined up Ronald Reagan's presidency with the professed political agenda, like the 1976 uh, bold color speech at CPAC, for example, right? If we lined that up with what we got for eight years, would it be a seamless garment? Of course not. No. Would it would would there, would there be some overlap? Yeah, a lot, a lot. But there'd be some there'd be some areas over here as the circles overlapped over here. There'd be some white space over here, though, would there not? Absolutely, absolutely. Okay. Here's the problem, though. Since that guy left the national stage, has the circle moved closer to lining up or further apart so we get more and more white space? I've been talking about the Venn diagram for years. They're yeah. not even they're not touching and they're crashing into each yeah. other. Yeah. Now, I would actually argue that the guy in the White House is now has actually moved the lines closer than what they were before. I would argue that. I, I don't think there's rhetorically. Any, uh, yeah, I don't think there's any question that he has done a even even without even with the areas I'm incredibly disappointed. He has delivered on more of his agenda than we would have likely have. Well, the problem if Mitt Romney or John McCain had gotten elected president is I think they would have delivered on their agenda. You just would not have liked it. All right, they'd have been passing all kinds of legislation with the left. I think. Okay, but. There's still way too much white space over here with the current president. And, and, that, and, and that really shows up in the moment that we're in right now. The, this is not a time. Maybe what I need to do here is I need to reset one of the very first shows I ever did on politics. And have I, have I ever done this show on a national platform? Gangsters, Crusaders, and Groupies. You've it never is, done it for the blaze. You may have done it pre... Maybe I did it on Salem once. Maybe in passing very but quickly. It's, but, but, it's, but it's been a long time since I've done this show. It is the ultimate political science class. You have to know... What's the old saying? You don't know the players of the scorecard, right? You got to know who the players are. And everybody in politics is one of these three entities. And a lot of... See, the mistake that has been made here is you think you can beat... A crusader with a gangster. And you can't. You can't. You can beat a gangster with another gangster. Right? I mean, Hillary Clinton fashions herself as a crusader, but in the end, she's a Clinton. She cuts the deal. She's a gangster. She's a gangster who, who fancies herself a crusader. And that's why Trump could out-shameless her. That's why he could out-bully her. Because... Real recognize real, as the kids say today, right? The gangster, he out her. 
but you can't throw a gangster up against crusaders because in the end the conflict is won by the side who has the most belief in the rightness of its own cause you need a crusader to defeat a crusader um utilitarianism pragmatism doesn't push back a spirit of the age has no chance up against it because the pragmatist and the utilitarian he thinks this is all he sees the whole thing as a negotiation in the end and you just end up negotiating against yourself the klingons don't take prisoners you are not going to be able to negotiate with the teacher unions to get your schools open this fall. You're going to have to defeat them. Yes. Defeat them. There will be no offer they will accept. You'll have to defeat them. How do you defeat them? Show up to work or you all lose your jobs. Like when Reagan fired the air traffic controllers. Remember that? Wasn't allowed to do that. Just did it anyway. No, we, we cannot have plane, we, we cannot have planes safely being landed in the air. So you're all fired. You don't get to strike. You're fired. You're going to have to defeat the teacher unions. Now, he did tweet out something earlier today about, you know, I'm going to instruct the Treasury Department to look at defunding these universities and stuff like that. Yeah. But here's the problem with that, though. Okay. If he only means this as a negotiating ploy, like if he's playing leverage, okay, fine. You guys want to play hardball with me? I'll play hardball with you. I'll defund you. And let's say he even goes through with it and defunds it. What's going to happen five minutes after he defunds them? What happens? Five minutes after Treasury says we're not sending money to Congress, we're going right to the federal courts, right? And then what's the federal? What what is what is a federal judge somewhere in America going to do in five minutes after that? Put a stay on it. Could have put an not just any stay, a universal injunction on it, right? Are you going to and 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 then it goes all the way to the Supreme Court. And even if you get emergency, what is it, mandamus or right when you get when the when the court cert when the court agrees to see hear hear what you have to say, even if it's like the Florida recount where they agreed on an emergency basis to hear it right away, if you go there and lose, you've actually just set the precedent that you can't do this at all. You can't defund them at all, unless you plan on defying that precedence, right? Like our the big mucky muck here, one of the big mucky mucks here at the Blaze, Tyler Carden tweeted out hey if, to the president if you're gonna do this great but you got to stick the landing you know what stick the landing means i'm guns up to the whole system and if my and if my treasury department says well sir we have to cut harvard a, well harvard's private we we have to cut the university of so-and-so a check um because uh the supreme court said then you're fired i'll go get me a treasury secretary that, that won't cut him a check then right yeah yeah that's what stick the landing means because that's what they're going to do to you. Because that's what crusaders do. They're going all the way here, guys. All the way to the end. If you're not prepared to go all the way to the end, you know, I talked earlier this week about how the dark night rises is so prophetic for where we are today. But so is the dark night. See, whether or not Donald Trump is Batman is irrelevant. Many of you think that he is. Many or many of you went out and supported him with that notion in mind that we needed something new, a vigilante to go after that, that the criminal justice system doesn't have what it takes traditionally to stand up to what, what's overrunning this city. So we'll go get our own, our own guy outside the system, our own vigilante, right? 
Well, did you think that the traditional political system was just going to say, how quaint and cute is it? That all of these patriotic Americans went out and found themselves an outsider vigilante to take us on, who has, who has many of the same tendencies that we do and, and doesn't mind administering a little street justice. I, I, I guess that just means we're going to give up all of the power we've acquired in this country the last 50 years. No. They got nuts. They went crazier. They went zanier. They didn't go get a joker. They became him. That's really the most important context for understanding why the left is so bent out of shape over a former Democrat who isn't even remotely a conservative. That's right. Because it was at least enough different that they were worried things were changing. Yes. We're going to kill it now. It's never been about him. It's always been about you. Yes. It's always been about you. They hate you. They thought, holy bleep, they they really did it. They really defied Fox News who tried to kill Trump. They really went outside the political system. They really, all the, and and then they didn't care when, when Paul Ryan came out and told Trump to quit the presidential race, right? They couldn't believe you guys went through with it. They couldn't believe it. They could not believe it. And so you know what that thought that meant? Maybe they really are serious about taking us on this time. So you know who else has to stick the landing? You do. You do. See, what you did is you just threw Donald Trump up there. Well, that's Batman. He'll take care of it. What if he's not? Or what if he can't? And what if, Bat- what if, he, what if he even is Batman, but he can't be in one, more than one place at a time, right? He's not omnipresent. So where's the rest of the conservative movement? This has been Daniel Horowitz's lament all these years. The whole Trump presidency, right? Where's the rest of the movement been? Even if Trump even if Trump is everything you hope that he is, he can't do it all. So where's everybody else at? See, they, li- they listened. It's funny. The Republican Party didn't think you were really serious about your anger at what had happened to your country. But the Democratic Party did. The Republican Party didn't think you were serious. The Democratic Party took it very seriously. They jokered up. They jokered up. They didn't go get one iconoclast. No, they just became him. They took the spirit of the joker. They became him. And now I'm your Alfred here. And I'm saying to you, Bruce... What did you think they were going to do? Did, did you think they were just going to say, yeah, you're right, I guess we just give up the country. We've been, we, we just give up our long march of the institutions right here at the end. We're at the end of all things. We're one step away. It says the finish line. I can smell it. The blinking light is in my eye. But I guess they went out and found their Batman. I guess I'll just shut her down. Did you not think that they were not going to come back at you? They were not going to come off the top rope. And that's where we're at right now. They're going to go all the way, guys. Look at all the money from college sports and everything else, that scene in the dark night where the Joker just lights it all on fire. They are poised to do this right now. Right now. It's not about money. It's about sending a message. They heard your message. Oh, these they're serious. They're going to take us on. Okay. I'm wondering, are we hearing theirs? Are we sure we understand how serious this is? Because quaint little, well, we, we had our, Steve, I love, I love the notes. They were nice. But quaint little, we had our 4th of July parade in our, in our one stoplight town anyway. Dude, they're literally amounting assaults at Monticello. 
Okay? And we're talking like, well, you know, we got our, our people together and just went down Main Street and, and waved our red, white, and blue pom-poms. They're just walking right into your church in Troy, New York. Right in your church. The Joker is going all the way, guys. Going all the way. And he doesn't think Batman is prepared to do what it will really take to defeat him. Doesn't think Batman will violate his code. This is the moment we are at right now. you know why the Republican Party negotiates against itself? Because that's what we do. We negotiate against ourselves. We negotiate with our family members and friends and Facebook friends. Well, there's got to be some place. There, no, 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 there is no reasonable. There is no reasonable. One worldview will walk out of this steel cage match. The other will be a casualty. I wish that wasn't true. I really do. But it is. If you're thinking of getting involved in the real estate market right now, that's that's difficult and stressful at any time. I've bought a home and then bought and sold a home at the same time. I was very, very fortunate the second time to have a real estate agent that I could trust that even to this day, if I was going to get back in the real estate market here in Des Moines, I'd, he'd be the first phone call I would make, right? And the last time I was in the market here in Des Moines was 14 years ago. I've lived in the same home for the last 14 years. And I still remember the name of my agent, Scott Remsburg. You want an agent like that? Um, and, and it's hard to find sometimes because it's not like you can go on their website and they're going to tell you, I suck at this or, Hey, if I can't sell your home in 30 days, I'm going to probably lose focus and interest and, and, you know, go where the iron is, you know, striking hot. They're not just going to flat out tell you that. So you don't have time to do the vetting of all these agents. That's where real estate agents I trust comes in because even in a normal market, this can be a stressful process. If anything, this is not a normal market. I don't know if you guys just saw this story that's out. It's estimated that right now, about a third of American homeowners are not going to be able to make their July payment based on the current trends. Yikes. Okay. So you want to make sure you go in with an agent that goes all in for you. Here's where you're going to find him or her. Realestateagentsitrust.com. The, the the name says it all. Realestateagentsitrust.com. That's realestateagentsitrust.com. Gentlemen, can you think of any recent event in American history um, that could pinpoint for us what happens to an economy when a wide swath of American homeowners cannot afford the home they're in? Does can you think of anything? Is has anything come up recently that I'm trying to. Can you see the thought jar my bubble memory? Yeah. above mm. my head? Do we have any any example of what occurs? Like, uh, what's it remind? It's like um, what's what's the other word for below? And then next to that, it's like a, a rib, a certain kind of uh, rib, a oh, sub prime. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. 
Hmm. Yeah, I got nothing. I, I thought maybe something was beginning to percolate there, yeah. Aaron, Sorry. but no. I, no, I think this is unprecedented. For, for, we, we don't have a clue what will happen if that occurs. For a second, a whole movie was going through my head, but was made up about what you're talking about, but I think I made that up in my own head, hey, too. If, if you think $40 million is something, folks, $40 million unemployed, and maybe the number's about $37 million now with the jobs ga- job gains back. We're not gaining jobs, by the way. We're gaining back jobs we've lost. So we're, we're not like... Plus four million jobs. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Okay, we we've recovered four million of the forty million jobs we've lost. But if you thought that was an issue, and that's a problem, wait until a third of Americans potentially cannot afford their mortgage payments. Roll out the barrel. Oh yeah. What were you saying about the Joker, Steve? And and. And they're still up there arguing that lockdown saved millions of lives. I just, hmm. just, I'll, I'll get into that later in the overtime. Okay. I, I've, I've, I need to be extraordinarily blunt. Some of you won't like it, but I need it. If for no other reason, so I can actually be a somewhat decent father and husband for the next couple of days when I go home, because I, I'm having a harder time setting work aside when I walk out of here. It's just all so overwhelming. So I'm going to, I'm going to give a state of the union and unload if for no other reason I need to, I got to, I got to eject a few things that I've kept to myself that I'm not going to do any longer. Let's go back to feedback Friday. Uh, This is from Rose in Texas. She says, I got an email from Google tracking. They wanted to let me know I may have traveled a bit too much for the month of June. I decided to respond to them. My reply was to tell them to shove it where the sun doesn't shine. I wrote, if it's okay to protest against police in America, then I can do whatever I damn well please. And if they don't like it, who cares? They can track me all they want. I found a box of N95 masks that I got from work before I left my job. On the box, it directly states the mask will not protect you from most bacterial or viral infections. Google, suck on that cookie. I'm done. Thank you for the work that you guys do on your show. Thank you. See? That's what I'm. That's what I'm talking about. Like all of us need to do this. Yep. Fight the battle in front of you. Whatever yeah, yes. it is. Mm-hmm. Mass non-compliance. We're just not doing this. I, I I got an email from a gentleman this morning talking about an update. Is Andy Bashir is at the uh, yep. the douchebag governor in Kentucky? Okay. Here's the latest from our dictator. Andy Bashir is not a dictator. He is not a tyrant. He may have the he may have the effect of being so, but how would he be given that effect? You would have to comply. Did Andy Bashir disarm the populace of Kentucky like most dictators do when they take over? No, no, he didn't. Hmm. Now, did he close all the churches like most dictators do when they take over? Well, yeah. Did you comply with that? In a free country, you cannot be oppressed. You can only assume the oppression you are willing to comply with. Turns out it's a lot. And it turns out it's a lot. Right now, it appears our master plan is to just email our laments to conservative news programs and, and, and television and radio programs and then vote to, for Trump in November by mail, of course. That appears to be our plan, right? Yes. That appears to be the that appears to be the master pushback plan. 
which is pretty much that exact scene from Idiocracy that I can't remember if you've said live on air, Aaron, about um, when he says, leave me alone. Yeah. I'm, I'm baiting. That's, you know, okay, so he Go said it. Go away, yeah. baiting. Yeah, well, that's basically, that's a paraphrase. If you're just sitting there and after watching Tucker, then nothing. Yeah, I, I, help me to understand how you elect Rand Paul, a U.S. senator, and then tell me you're under a dictator. How... How does that work? How does that work? I know it doesn't work. It doesn't work. You're under nothing that you're not willing to comply with. You're complying with it. That's why. The people in the protests that you saw last month didn't want to comply anymore. So they didn't. And now, if you don't want to wear a mask to Walmart, you're the reason we may not get sports in the fall, not the hundreds of thousands of people that were out there not social distancing all over the country. Mm-hmm. Why is that happening to you? Because you comply with it. You put up with it. That's why. You know, it really blew my mind about living with a bully growing up with one. And he wasn't always one. There was times Dave was a great dad at times. When I got old enough to, though, recognize, man, I'm not being bullied. I'm putting up with this. Sooner or later. Yeah. Like it, when you're eight, nine yeah, years old, it does come I, I couldn't defend myself. But I'm like, I, I'm, an, I'm, a, I'm, an, I'm an athlete. I'm in pretty good shape. Why am I tolerating this from a dude who's 20 years older than me and chain smokes? And if we went out and ran sprints with chest grab, like Red Fox, coming to, I'm coming to see you, honey, in about you know halfway through the first lap around the track, right? Why, why am I doing this? I'm out playing basketball with my buddies in 90 degree heat, nine hours a day, right? And I got a guy with a receding hairline who puts down three packs of lung darts a day and I'm letting him bully me. How does that work? But it took me a while to get to that point where I recognized, sure, yeah, this is, that's not how this works. That's not, not how any of this works, right? Okay. So similarly, the people with the numbers and the guns are the ones getting bullied. I've, have we had have we done this show before? Yes. Have we had this conversation before? Yes. All right, let's move on then. JD in Houston says, "I'm a 24 year old 24 year old Christian who is not easily shaken. I know what I believe and why. I, I I am known amongst my friends as being someone who's not shy from an intellectual, theological, political discussion. I do not live a life in an echo chamber. In this, I have never really been afraid of the enemy's narrative of, of fear and lies. I'm always confident the gospel of truth shall prevail. However, recently, I become unsettled with the coronavirus and the recent societal circumstances sparked by the unjust death of George Floyd. Unsettled not because of how society as a whole has responded, that is par for the course, but how many of my fellow believers have chosen to react. They seem to latch on to the most empathetic, emotional, and, and, and feeling-focused narrative and stand with it in spite of truth. Grace at the expense of truth. I am charged with wanting people to die if I don't wear a mask. I am charged with being an advocate of racism if I don't believe America oppresses the black people narrative. I do not mind these charges leveled against me by the secular world, but to have these accusations shared or reposted online by fellow believers is hard. I see Christians with strong foundations in lockstep with lies, a church that crowdsources its perspective from the collective mood of social media. I know God works all things to his own glory and that I do not need to be afraid of the spirit of the age, but at the very least, I am unsettled. 
when the Bible says consider it pure joy when you experience trials, to rejoice in persecution, I did not think that that would come from my soft-headed fellow believers. J.D., I have no idea what you're talking about. So let's just move on. <laughs> Randy G. says, just wanted to pass on a perspective we're not seeing in mainstream media. I am a truck driver and had a load last week going from California to North Carolina. On my trip, I interacted with several people from different colors. I'm a mixed mutt myself, but usually recognized as white. A couple of black men, one in North Carolina, one in South Carolina, who were more than willing to help give me direction when I asked, and both were very kind and told me to be safe and careful out there. The little things like this is what makes me happy, that normal still does exist. It's just not being reported. I grew up in a small farm town in Central California. All the guys I ran with were all different colors, and we are still all friends today. It makes me sick to see what is being forced down our throat to try and keep racism at the surface. I can't wait for my tattooed or my tattooed on the thigh savior to come and execute real justice. I only hope that I can see some of the faces of those race baiters as it all goes down. Please don't lose heart and give up on what you are all doing. There's a reason your show has grown lately. And we Christ following knuckle draggers need to know we are not alone out there. Thanks for what you guys are doing. Uh, you, Todd and Aaron are all appreciated. That is from Randy G. Thank you, Randy. Yes. That is very encouraging. Yes, and and I know you're not alone, and I know we're not alone. We're just not represented. This is why we have to do this ourselves. We have to do this ourselves. Something else I've been saying a lot lately, I'll say it again. The cavalry isn't coming, and the guys that you are seeing coming over the horizon wearing your uniform, they are here to fire on you. They're here to fire on you. We're on our own we're on our own i've got an entire backstabbing ordeal going on right now i haven't even told you guys about yet because i'm waiting to see how it all plays out before i share it with you (laughs) all right i mean this is going on there's no way we're going to escape this i don't know man maybe i'm just wired differently I'd rather throw a few punches and land a couple on my way down. Wouldn't you? Oh, for sure. I don't get the whole, let's just sit here and lament it. I I texted a couple of people, you know, here at work at the Blaze last night. And I'm like, man, I know that this, I know that taking this fight on has exponentially grown our show. I want it to end yesterday. I'm so tired of it. I have no interest in milking this whatsoever. If the cost of sanity prevailing and the truth having its way and getting some semblance of our lives back, our lives back is this, we just kind of go back to being a somewhat upper middle class show that is largely obscure to many people, but the few people that are aware of it really like it, right? I'd make that trade tomorrow. I'd make it yesterday. I'd make it right now. I'm so freaking sick of talking about this. I can't even tell you. Which is why I'm urging us to push back on this because I don't see another way out. You know why I keep telling you this is going to end on November the 4th? Because I think Biden's going to win. I don't think if Trump wins, they're all just like, Oh, hey, okay, we gave it a best shot. Back to... No. No, I don't... 
I don't think that's how it works. And I don't think Trump can win. You can't win on vote for me so bad stuff doesn't happen to the country while bad stuff is happening to the country. I don't think he can win without normalcy to some degree, to some degree. You can't run on, I blew up my whole economy over bad data, but I'm the one that can get us back when we're not getting back. I don't think you can run on that and get the vote of anybody who wasn't going to vote for you no matter what you said or did anyway. So the reason why I think this ends on November 4th, because I think Biden's winning on November 3rd and the trajectory we're on right now. And the only thing I think of that will alter that trajectory is to get us off the path that put us on it. Back to freedom. Back to some form of normal. But no, I don't believe if Trump wins that they're going to just suddenly we're going to hear all the science that every other European country has told their people. No, I don't believe that. But I don't think he can win unless he actually follows the science and not whatever else he's been following the last four months. I'll just confess to you flat out, I hate Anthony Fauci's guts, man. And I don't feel bad about it at all. Like, I don't. I don't at all. Like, I hate that guy the way Paul looked at the fiend and axe and called him a son of the devil. That guy's the biggest fraud and the biggest hack I've ever encountered or studied in the history of American politics. And when you consider he's not an elected official, and when you consider what's at stake right now with an unprecedented pandemic, and to have such a person with so little self-awareness, so little honesty and integrity overseeing this, why wasn't he fired three months ago? Why isn't he fired today? Can we get Anthony? I mean, he, he went out on 538 and, and, and trashed Trump without saying his name. Can, can, you know what we need to pray for? Pray Anthony Fauci tweets something personally critical of Donald Trump. Pray for that. Because that apparently is the only way we're getting rid of him. That, that is what causes Trump to act. The personal beef. So pray this, uh, this, his, his hacky lack at CDC, Redfield, Renfield, whatever the hell his name is. Pray those guys over the weekend just like tweet something personally derogatory about Trump. Remember that Secretary of State he had that was just dreadful for like almost two years? Who am I thinking of? That came from... Oh, you know, Tillerson. Tillerson. Just went out there and, and, and nut cut Trump daily, man. But it wasn't until like he tweet, was, was thought to have leaked something personal to Trump that they finally got rid of him. So if you're looking for something to pray for this weekend, pray that everybody screwing the Trump administration from the inside starts tweeting negative personal things about Trump because then he might finally fire them. This is Steve Dace. On the Blaze Radio Network.